Back, 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 take it, take it, take it. Welcome to the No Lift Podcast, coming to you from Ireland, hosted by Arthur Lynch. Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the No Lift Podcast with myself, Arthur Lynch. And for this episode of the show, I'm joined by Alyssa Ages. Alyssa, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the show. How are you? I'm doing well today. How are you? Yeah, doing quite well. Thank thank you for taking the call and uh, giving up your time to chat to me. We're going to have a very interesting conversation this afternoon or this morning as it is for you. But given that I wasn't that familiar with you until very recently, uh, I'm sure the listeners are unlikely to have heard about you or your work, uh, uh, the work that you're currently involved in. So could you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself your background and what led you to where you are today. Absolutely. Uh, so I, um, I'm a journalist, um, a copywriter as well, um, and I am a strength athlete, um, but I had gotten started in endurance sports. Um, so I was a marathon runner, triathlete. Um, I did an Ironman. And then after all of that, in about 2013, I made my way into strength sports. So I started the way I think most people do. Started in CrossFit. Um, I loved it. I did it for about a year. And then I kind of hit this point where I, I realized that what I really loved was lifting the heavy stuff, not so much the days where we'd come in and there'd be like a 3000 meter row. Um, and so I found through a friend, uh, in CrossFit, I discovered strongman and, uh, went to this strongman gym in New York where I lived. Uh, and the first day that I was there, I will never forget this moment. We picked up a bunch of heavy things, but towards the end of the class, they had us try Atlas stones. And I was given, you know, the latest one there was like 90 pounds and I had to pick it up and get it to my shoulder. I didn't really think I could do it. And I went for it and I got it. And I just remember this feeling of like complete accomplishment and elation and just thinking I have to do this all the time. Um, and so I got really into it. Um, I competed for about a year, um, and then moved out of New York, traveled a bit, um, moved to Toronto and, uh, did a little bit of competing here, uh, and then stopped for a couple of years to have, uh, my two daughters. And this year I decided I want, well, I guess it was last year, decided I wanted to go back into it, but realized that if I was going to do that, um, and I was going to use my time for something like that, um, given all the other things in my life, I wanted to really understand a little bit more about my motivation. I wanted to understand why, why I cared about being strong, why I cared about this pursuit of physical strength. Um, and I went to look into, you know, reading more about that and realized that when it had come to endurance sports, there were all these great books about why people loved running and what it had done for their lives. And then when I got to looking for that in strength sports, there just wasn't as much of that. Um, and so, you know, the books were mostly about how to get big biceps and six pack abs. And I wanted to write a book about the why, because what I knew from myself and from talking to other strength athletes was that, um, it's never really about that. Like the, the muscles are a really awesome side effect, but what you get out of it on the mental and emotional side is so much more impactful. Um, so the book I'm writing is called the secrets of giants. 
uh, at least tentatively. You never know if your publisher is going to want to change the title at some point, but that's what it's called right now. Um, and it's basically my journey into understanding um, why we care about the pursuit and possession of physical strength and how it impacts every aspect of our lives from handling adversity to finding joy and discomfort um, to you know greater patience um, and a sense of belonging. And I'm talking to athletes uh, about their experience. And then I'm also talking to experts in their fields. So researchers, scientists, psychologists, what have you, and pulling that all together into this book. Mm, very good. So I, I might just read out the the overview that you sent me uh, before sure. before we get into it in more detail. Uh, so the, the Secrets of Giants, an immersive journey into the world of strength, revealing the physiological, psychological, and cultural explanations of how it's pursued and possession can permeate every aspect of our lives from building resilience and confidence to finding joy in pain to handling ad- adversity. So there's an awful lot in that. I mean, wh- I don't know where you, where you might want to start with that or, or w- what was, you know, what was page one? <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's funny because it kind of went back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but a big thing for me with this book was um, I really wanted to. So I turned 40 this past year. And I realized that there was this kind of like one little nagging thing that I hadn't done in Strongman that I really wanted to do, which was to pull a truck. Um, And so I I set out to find a competition where I could pull a truck. And so it it starts with um, kind of the setup for that and what it was like being there and standing there and starting to kind of revisit all these feelings that I'd had in the past of Um, you know, am I going to be good enough? Can I do this? What if I fail? What are people going to think of me? Um, And kind of going through all that. And then that sort of leads into the way that um, the pursuit of strength um, helps us with all of those elements in life. It helps us, you know, with fear of failure, helps us with imposter syndrome, helps us with um, feeling comfortable. It's sitting in that discomfort that I knew I was about to face. Mm. Okay. So I, I suppose, like from my point of view, the physiological and, and psychological, they'd be kind of the terms that would jump out to me because they'd align with, I suppose, some of my own interests. Yeah. For, I suppose, filling that content of the book, how did you go about it? I mean, how did you seek out, I suppose, the experts in those fields? And yeah. without giving away more than you're probably comfortable with at this stage, what, what kind of things were you asking them? Yeah. So um, to find out who I was going to interview, I have read a tremendous amount of books um, on all aspects of strength training. Um, So everything going back as far as something like um, keeping together in time, which um, our mutual friend Connor recommended to me, um, which talks about how moving alongside other people helps create these shared bonds and this camaraderie and the way that that can impact our lives. Um, so, you know, reading something like that. And then what I'll do is I'll get stories from athletes about, um, how they've kind of gotten that, that sense of belonging, um, in, in a strength gym setting. Uh, and then I will go out and I will try to find someone like a sports psychologist to talk to me about really, how does that work? Like what are, you know, the neural pathways by which, you lift a barbell alongside somebody else and then you suddenly feel bonded to them. 
Um, so it's a combination, I think, of, of going out and finding those people and then also reading research studies. Um, there's a really, really compelling one that I've been reading um, by a group at, uh, at Oxford. Um, and they studied the cyclical nature of um, moving together and social bonds. So what they figured out was that when we move together, it creates, it forges bonds between people, right? And that's, I think that's something we kind of knew. But what they looked into and what they've been studying for the past, I think, six years um, is that those bonds um, then help us within that movement. So let's say you're in a CrossFit community, right? And you formed bonds with people that you're in the class with. What that does on the other side is that then when you are moving with those people, you can do things like going faster, harder, longer in your workouts um, and feeling less pain as you're doing it because you know you have the support of that community. So that's been, it's actually a chapter I'm working on right now and it's it's incredibly compelling. Mm. Right, and I suppose to relate that back to, I suppose my own kind of anecdotal experience, I know being involved in powerlifting, when you go from sort of training on your own or, or training in a commercial gym where you're kind of just sort of left to your own devices, versus going to a powerlifting gym or, or I can imagine this would be even more profound in in like a CrossFit gym like the the support of having like-minded individuals around you and encouraging you it does it drives you on another level yeah yeah exactly not to mention as well you've like-minded individuals around you they're more likely to give you uh technical feedback and things like that that will help improve your lifting which yeah. unfortunately, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's ways around it, particularly nowadays when we can, you know, we all have uh, ways of recording our lifts and we can send them to people and get feedback in that way. But there's nothing quite like uh, having, you know, spotters around you and, and uh, coaches who have an eye for these kind of things. So, yeah, absolutely. That, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's, and I, what I've found too is, you know, I first experienced it in CrossFit, but in every strength gym I've been in, every strength setting I've been in, um, I have felt that same thing. And while we know that moving together in almost any capacity forms those bonds, I do think there's something really unique about it in a strength community. Um, there is something really primal, it feels um, to be lifting heavy things in cooperation with other people. Mm. I think there's something that harkens back to, um, you know, what we needed, you know, thousands of years ago, um, in order to survive. Right. And yes, logically in a CrossFit class, we don't all need to swing kettlebells to survive, but I do think it triggers something inside of us that feels like I need this group of people. Um, and I think that's, you don't get that in a spin class. Yeah. Yeah. You touched on your own experiences there uh, a few moments ago and how one of the things you really wanted to do was pull a truck, which just, if I can just say for a moment is the coolest thing ever to, <laughs> really to hear. Is. So, you know, fair play to you on, on, on that one. But from your own point of view, exploring it a little bit deeper, I mean, what was your own personal why for like, what, what, what made you think, God, I'd, I'd love to you know, you just wake up one day and, and think, God, I'd love to pull a truck today. Wouldn't that be fantastic? What, yeah. what was it that was driving it for you? Um, so I'll kind of bring it 
quite far back, but my, I think my why in general for pursuing strength. Um, so I, when I was a kid, I was not super athletic. Um, I, you know, not coordinated, still not great at any sport that involves, you know, having to catch or throw a ball. Like it's, it's just not my thing. Um, but I did decide that I wanted to sign up for, uh, for like little league baseball. When we moved to, I had grown up in Brooklyn. We moved to a town in the suburbs. I didn't want to do softball. I was like, nope, I'm tough. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm going to play baseball. And, um, it did not go well. Uh, I really couldn't catch the ball to save my life. I tried to be as far out in the outfield as possible. And then being up at bat was terrible too. I, I recalled having never hit the ball at any point. And in fact, the one like accolade that I got in that entire season was that, uh, I got hit by the ball once when I was at bat and that got me an automatic walk onto base. And so that was, you know, the only time that I ever touched first base in all of my time, uh, in, in baseball. And it kind of triggered this feeling of, you know, I like, I'm not good at this. I am not good at sports. It was the story I told myself. I am, that's just not who I am. I'm not going to be the kind of person that's good at this. Um, and that was probably a decade of my life of just trying to avoid sports at all costs. Um, and when I moved to New York after university, um, I was, uh, with a company where we ended up doing, um, a team softball game and I was, you know, terrified by this. I had not had to stand on home plate and face a ball in 10 years. Um, and I got up there anyway. I was like, okay, I have to do this. I have to do this for work. And, uh, the ball came and I hit it. And I got onto base and I was so excited that when I had the chance to get off the field, I went and I called my mom and I said, um, you know, oh my God, I'm so excited. I like, I finally hit the ball after all those years of trying, like I finally hit the ball. She's like, that's great. But it wasn't that you just never hit the ball when you play baseball. She's like, you never swung the bat. And basically it turned out that I would just stand there completely terrified. I must've blocked all this out and wouldn't even swing was just so scared. And it triggered this, this feeling in me of, I spent the last decade of my life just being too scared to do anything. And that, uh, went into me suddenly deciding I'm going to do marathons. I'm going to do an Ironman. I'm going to do roller derby. I'm going to swing at every ridiculous thing I can possibly do. Um, and that's kind of what ended up leading me into, um, CrossFit and then into strongman of just going, I'm going to always do the next biggest, next hardest thing that is available to me. And yeah, in a way, I think I still feel that way. And that, that was where the truck pull came in was, you know, what can I do? What can I do if I'm just not scared, if I'm going to be brave enough to just give it a shot? Very cool. Now, something that interests me quite a bit is, well, it frustrates me as much as it interests me, but it's, um, I guess around, it's more of a physical activity promotion type thing, but if we look at, for example, the rates of, or the lack of physical activity across, well, across the, the developed world, if you like, and uh, my frustration is how, you know, you've resistance training, which is this very obvious, like low-hanging fruit to try and help uh, w- with this massive issue but it's it's kind of having to swim upstream all the time because if you take for example um there was there was a post that came across there recently 
that was like shared as a story from someone else and it was fantastic but then because it was a story I couldn't find it then subsequently so but but the gist of it was basically you know that like resistance exercises is this potential tool to help sort of fight the the inactivity epidemic that we're facing but it the one of the challenges it faces is like if you post a video of like a child lifting or an elderly person lifting and just like the comments section is just it's absolute horseshit you know and everyone has to kind of navigate through that and people who don't know better will be influenced in a negative way by that um or at least that's what i've observed and that's what others have observed um have you come across anything like that whereby resistance exercise is sort of presented in a in a negative light in that way uh, yes or, yeah yeah a hundred percent i mean i so leading up to me getting pregnant with my first uh with my first daughter i was posting all of my strongman things all over instagram um and we can get into how that was a whole identity thing of needing to think that you know people saw me in a certain way but that's another mm. story but um I also, when I got pregnant, I wanted to understand what other pregnant women were doing when it came to lifting. And there were all these incredibly inspiring videos from, you know, people who were legitimate professionals in their fields or people who were, you know, professional athletes and had really great coaches. And yet these comment sections were awful. I mean, your baby's going to fall out. I know somebody who's like uterus exploded, like all of these terrible things. And I was like, I am staying off of social media as far as posting anything about me lifting when I was pregnant. And it was, it was a bit of a bummer because I felt so powerful and so amazing being able to lift the things that I did while also growing a human. Um, but I, I didn't want any of that. I didn't want any of those comments. So I have this, you know, kind of wealth of of videos and photos on my phone. I have one of me doing like, I don't know, a hundred and something pounds per hand farmer walk when I was it was like four days before I gave birth. And, you know, I love it. My coach posted it, but I was like, I, no, I don't want to deal with this. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting too, when you talk about it being low hanging fruit, one of the things that always blows my mind is that strongman in particular, the fact that it is not more popular than it is when it has the absolute lowest barrier to entry of any sport I can think of maybe outside of running. All you have to do is go outside and find something heavy in nature and pick it up. And like, congratulations, you've done, you know, the most basic of strongman movements. Um, it's, yeah, it, that's been really interesting to me as well. Yeah, right. And the other side of it as well is that it's so scalable, you know, like yeah. you talk about the barrier for entry, like you, you can lift whatever, you know, once it's within your means and you can reduce the load or, apply certain constraints that are specific to an individual so that the the loading and the dose of exercise if you like is appropriate for that individual yeah versus you know for example if you're talking about some of the the sports you you mentioned earlier on where it's there's so many more moving parts i mean literally and figuratively um you know that it's so much more difficult to scale and you know some people are gonna feel like they're not that good at them so they're going to be more inclined to uh, refrain from 
participating and then there you go again it compounds the problem of of physical inactivity that that we're currently facing that's it and and i think too you know there is there's forever been this kind of weird opposition to lifting heavy things. I talked about this a lot with Connor also, mm. um, as just, you know, the way I think it's been marketed to people, right? Like he was talking about even, you know, your Eugene Sandow who would say like, you don't need to lift heavy weights to look like me, but that's exactly what he was doing. Right. Yeah. And so we've, we've kind of just come out of, you know, years and years and years of being told you don't have to lift heavy weights by the people who are lifting heavy weights. And so naturally we do, it's, it's easy to think, well, this isn't something I have to do. I'm just, and I lift three pound weights and I'm going to tone, which I don't need to get started on toning. That's a whole other thing. (laughs) Be my (laughs) guests. It's I think that's, that has been an incredibly detrimental thing to specifically women when it comes to weightlifting is this idea of toning, which is just building muscle and lowering body fat, which you do by lifting heavy weights. Right. Right. But the, the narrative is presented in a completely different way. So that, you know, basically so the gimmicks can be sold, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So what other kind of interesting things have you discovered uh, along the way in this process? Because I know b- before we started recording, you mentioned that you've, you've interviewed 50 people for this book, which is <laughs> yes. just astonishing. That's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> I, um, I think one of the most compelling things that I am learning is that, um, and I, I'm sure that there are people in other sports that are like this. Um, but I'm specifically interviewing strength athletes, but I knew, as I said, at the beginning that people don't get into the pursuit of strength just because they want to look a certain way, but I didn't expect to get a story from almost every single athlete I interviewed that explained how this got them through some kind of trauma, something really difficult they were going through in their lives. Um, you know, a, a terrible relationship with a parental figure, an abusive relationship with a parental figure, um, you know, illness. I, there's this incredible athlete that I met at um, my first competition back last year, and he's a multi-time cancer survivor. And he, with the type of cancer he has, um, the more he, you know, generates new cells, the more chances there are for his cancer to come back. And that's, you know, you are literally doing that when you are lifting, right? You're breaking Mm -hmm. down muscle and you're building back up. And he was like, but I need this. I need this to feel like that doesn't control my life. I need this to feel, you know, in essence, superhuman. Um, And I, I've just been truly blown away at, at how much just being strong impacts people's lives. That's, I think that's what I wish people knew when we talk about people not lifting weights is everyone focuses on, oh, I'm going to look a certain way, but you have to think about how you're going to feel. And one of the things I said when I was talking even just to publishers about this book was I said, you know, they asked, you know, what do you want, what do you want people to take away from this book? What do you want people to do? And I said, honestly, I hope that someone reads this book, reads an inspiring story and is like, give me a second. I just want to see what it feels like to do a push up, to lift up my own body weight and just kind of sit in that feeling for a minute and, and see what that does to their brain, what that does to their body, how they feel. Mm-hmm. So, so you're writing it with the, I suppose the idea of 
trying to encourage someone to take that first step in mind is it rather than just purely yeah. purely being curious about why we're involved in this pursuit yeah i think it's a little bit of both i, yeah. I hope people go and you know try and pick up a weight but i hope that maybe they also think about why they want to do that mm. very cool so we've talked about uh some of the the areas of the book that you're going to or that you have explored and you're currently, I suppose, putting together for the the final manuscript and that. But I suppose I'm wondering, yeah, there's probably only so much you can give away at this point, but I don't know, will the, will the interviews be anonymized in the end or like how, uh, how will that work? Like, will you just almost transcribe word for word some of the interviews or will it be more of a thematic analysis or how, how are you kind of... Uh, how do you plan to to lay it out? It's a mix. So what I, I typically do is I kind of share some of my experience. Um, so the way that whatever topic I'm talking about has, has impacted me. And then um, I bring in stories from athletes, both amateur and professional. Um, and when you talk about, you know, who am I kind of naming the professional athletes? Um, we've all kind of I've gotten from them. Yes, you're going to use, use my name and you know, talk about who they are. Um, I haven't yet had a professional athlete say, can you make me anonymous? Hmm. Um, for the amateurs, uh, for the most part, I don't intend to use last names. Um, I think especially at the amateur level, people share a lot of really, really personal things with me. Um, you know, I had this one really amazing woman talk to me about, um, the way that she found strength was after she had been an alcoholic. Um, and she had, uh, she'd been sexually assaulted. And, um, one of the things that was so hard for her with, um, trying to find her own strength was that when she would go to the gym, she was walking into what was really a male dominated room. And she'd had all this fear of if all these fears around men, um, and to go into a room where it's not just a bunch of men, but it's a bunch of men being really aggressive, um, was really, really hard for her. And so we talked about that as just kind of that intersection of fear and courage and where strength plays into that. Um, and so certainly, you know, she's a great example of somebody where I don't need to put her identity in the book. Um, so with somebody like that, maybe it's just a first name and, you know, her age and what she does for work. Um, and that's about it. But the, the experts and the pros, um, yeah, we're doing first and last names for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, obviously hearing all these stories, but I suppose from, from my point of view, it's interesting in that you've obviously, like I have to hand it to you. You've you've obviously done a great job at, I suppose, preparing your questions for the interviews and making the, the individuals that you're interviewing comfortable. Because if not, they're they're unlikely to share these kinds of stories with you. So yeah, yeah. no, I mean that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's um, I I think that also comes from just having worked as a journalist for a long time. So. I really want to make sure I, if it's a, if it's an amateur athlete, I probably don't know their story in advance, but with the pros, I do a lot of research into, um, you know, anything I can find out about their stories in advance. I don't, one of the things I really hate is I don't want to make people repeat the same thing. So if I can find out, you know, how many world record lifts you've done from a Google search, I'm just going to do that. I'm not going to bother you with that when we talk, but we might talk about how you felt when you pulled that world record deadlift. Um, you know, what was that like? How what was your mental game leading up to walking up to the barbell? What did it feel like afterwards? You know, how long did that rush of accomplishment last? Or did you have to go try to do the next biggest thing? 
Mm. So I, I'm, I'm more interested in talking about those things. Very cool. Now, I suppose with particularly something like the professional strongman competitors, injuries are a natural part of the game there. Is that something that you explored with them and how they deal with those and, and how they, you know, develop resilience and, and kind of keep coming back? Yeah, we do talk about kind of what what those setbacks feel like um, and how you come back from them. So um, I talked to Rob Kearney, who is a professional strongman athlete, um, and we were talking about, I mean, a combination of things. He'd had the tricep rupture um, and he had testicular cancer. So most of my conversation with him was about, um, you know, what did that feel like to go from being strong to suddenly not being able to move? And how did you combat that? And what did it feel like to get back into the gym? Um, you know, did it feel more meaningful to you suddenly because you realized there was a period of time where you couldn't do it? Yeah, that's, uh, I don't really know how to follow up to that one. But, uh... <laughs> There's been some, I am blown away by the the people that I talked to. I just, mm. I, I can't say yet that there has been anyone I've interviewed where I didn't walk away going, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. You know, what, what a story, even people where it started out, where I wasn't sure what it was, you know, what it was going to be like. Um, I spoke to uh, the uh, Willie Wessels who runs us strongman and the beginning of our, our interview ended up kind of largely being about event promotion and event organization. And I didn't know that I would really use much of it and ended with him talking to me about um, having gone through cancer um, initially being told he had six weeks to live. And while he was in the hospital, um, basically while he was undergoing treatment in the hospital, sneaking out and going back to the gym and what it felt like to start from scratch. Like that was, you know, with 30 minutes into our interview, we started in on that story. I was like, oh, okay. This is incredible. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm in awe of your skill because I can just see myself being in that room and just being stunned and just not knowing what to say uh, or just being petrified of saying the wrong thing in in a yes. in a kind of a follow up to that. Always. That that still happens. Okay, that's that's somewhat reassuring, so. <laughs> it helps that I said the wrong thing uh in my previous journalism career to like many famous people. So, you know, I've sort of, I've, I've been embarrassed before and I got that all out of the way yeah. before doing this book. So you've got the what not to say list beside you and you <laughs> can glance over at it. Yeah. Yeah. I must, uh, yes. yeah. I must put that together. Although will be <laughs> the length of my arm. Yeah. So in terms of the athletes, is it predominantly strongman competitors that you've interviewed? I mean, have you, um, for example, have you spoken to anyone within powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, CrossFit. Yeah, it's been a mix. I will say it. It's heavily weighed towards power, uh, towards sorry, strongman athletes, mm. just because that's what I do and that's the sport that I went back into this year. So the people I'm around the most and the people I'm meeting the most are the strongman athletes. Um, but yeah, I've spoken to a bunch of people in um, CrossFit, powerlifting, Olympic lifting. Um, I've spoken to people who've done bodybuilding, but I do hope to speak to some, you know, people who are, are currently doing that. Um, I'm hoping to get to the Arnold um, in March and, and hopefully meet some folks there. Um, but yeah, it's been, I mean, there's one uh, power lifter I spoke to who she's an ICU nurse 
um, and she'd gotten injured on the job um, moving patients. And when she was trying to go and kind of rehabilitate herself from the injury, um, the doctor she spoke to said, you really need to build up your core strength. You should start lifting weights. And now she is like a top level, um, like national level competitor in powerlifting. <laughs> it's just what we, incredible. What we call a hyper responder. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really cool. I, I, for a moment there, I thought you were going to say that happened while she was powerlifting and she couldn't compete in a, no. in a competition or something like that. No, no, that's uh, cool. And I'll say to the, you know, I'm kind of now more on, I've spoken to so many athletes that I'm now moving a little bit more towards talking to more experts, mm-hmm. um, to really get an understanding of, okay, you know, anecdotally, somebody told me that, uh, lifting helped them relieve stress, but can you, you know, expert tell me exactly how that works. And that's been really interesting. Um, really, really fascinating. Um, gentleman who is uh, a researcher told me, uh, explained to me that basically our, our brains can't quite tell the difference between one kind of stress and another kind of stress. So I always thought, you know, people say, uh, you know, works for me, you go into the gym, you lift a bunch of heavy things, you suddenly feel less stressed. Um, and I just, I don't know, I guess I figured it was just the physical thing of moving your body. Um, but what he explained was that over time, you expose yourself to those little stresses in the gym um, and your brain learns how to manage those stresses. At the same time, it's learning how to manage any other kind of stress you're dealing with outside of the gym as well. And that was really, really interesting. Yeah, very cool. Uh, any Anything else from the, the academic side of things? Oh God, there's been a lot. I mean, speaking on the stress side, um, there is uh, an author and um, professor and she's a research, uh, she works in research as well. Um, her name is Kelly McGonigal. She wrote a book called uh, The Joy of Movement among a couple others. Uh, and she was one of the first people I reached out to because she has this really fascinating explanation of the way that we handle stress um, and talking about it as if you can reframe it as not being something that feels bad, Um, if you can reframe it as, well, stress is good because it's teaching me how to respond to it better. You know, it's, it's teaching me resilience over time. Um, and I talked to her a little bit about that in a competition setting. Um, because for me, one of the reasons I stopped competing was because I just, I would kind of choke under the pressure. Um, I'm the kind of person who like my best lifts were often done in the gym, not in the competition, uh, because I don't feed off of that adrenaline of having people around me. I just kind of freak out. Um, and so understanding that if I could just reframe the stress going into the competition as a good thing and use that to kind of empower me to work harder, um, and to, to see it differently, like that was a really, that was a helpful tool for me going back into competition this year. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then, uh, I suppose following on from that, is there anything else from the interviews that I suppose on a, on a selfish level that you've been able to apply? Um, maybe not necessarily in how you even think about the training, but actually in how, how you actually go about your training routine, yeah. uh, you know, on a week to week basis, anything else that you've been able to kind of, uh, directly apply to your own situation? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was, that was one of them certainly. Um, talking to, um, I actually spoke to a, a really great, um, sports psychologist yesterday or the day before. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about, again, just kind of reframing 
the way that I look at things in a competition setting. So he talked about um, not seeing, well, not just competition, even just heavy lifts in the gym, um, but starting to see those things not as a threat, but as a challenge. And I literally, I took that into the gym yesterday. Um, overhead lifts are really just psychologically not great for me. Um, I can pick up anything from the floor because I know it can just go back down on the floor, but overhead is just a real, I have a real mental block with that. And I literally walked up to the barbell and I said out loud, this is a challenge, not a threat. And I did feel a difference. Um, you know, I did feel like, okay, don't be scared of this. This is just, you know, how to bail if you have to. And this is a challenge you wanted to take on. Like you chose to be in here doing this thing. So yeah. Um, a lot of what I'm doing with this book is taking away things for myself so that I can put them into practice. I mean, the whole reason it, well, part of the reason that I went back into competing this year was because I wanted to take what I was learning and be able to actually kind of be a case study for this book to show, okay, I learned this and then I applied it here and here's how it worked. Excellent. Uh, okay. So at this point, have you more or less all the interviews done or have you much more uh, content to collect for the, the, the writing or is it just a case of like, all right, now I've got everything. I just need to knuckle down and piece it all together. I think my biggest problem with this is that I love talking to people and love doing the interviews. So like, probably I should be done doing interviews, but I can't help myself. If I hear someone's story and it's really interesting, I want to know about it. Um, and again, in my hopes of going to the Arnold and talking to athletes, like certainly there's a bunch of athletes there that I haven't been able to talk to that I just desperately want to know their stories. Yeah. Um, I am, you know, I'm dying to talk to Tom Staltman um, about uh, specifically about how having autism and becoming world's strongest man, like what, you know, how he kind of dealt with that. Um, and I know that he's spoken about that before, but I want to talk to him. I have questions for him specifically about it. Um, so yeah. And then I think as I keep going, um, there will be a lot more experts to talk to as well, um, just to get a little bit more of the, the practical side of things. Wonderful. Look forward to it. And, and I can't wait to read the book when it eventually comes out. Thank you. For anyone that's listened to the, uh, listened to and enjoyed our conversation and they want to find out more about yourself, maybe find out more about the book or yeah. like if you have a website or social media or anything like that. Where are the best places to find you? Uh, it's super easy. I am Alyssa Aegis on pretty much everything. So uh, Instagram, I'm the most active on there. Um, and then uh, I am on Twitter, but like not super active. Um, but again, it's just Alyssa Aegis on there. And then my website is AlyssaAgis.com. So that is where I have all the clips of past articles and, and new things as well. Awesome. Well, Alyssa, it's been absolutely wonderful chatting to you about this uh, and I've been very excited by the, the conversation. <laughs> so I'm even more excited to, to, to read the book when it's when it eventually comes out. Um, you know, all I can say at this point is all the best with uh, with writing it and putting it together. And uh, as I say, I'm looking forward to it. So um, thank you so much. Yeah. And, and thanks so much as well for taking the time out to chat to me about it. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. It has. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right. Take care and we'll talk again soon. Okay, you too.